prophesy and do all the above. And, and, um, and then um, I think I'm going to close the service up when it gets done. So come ahead, Mr. Jared, and um, we'll let you have the service and um, see where we go from there. Amen. Good evening, everybody. It's all right with you. We'll go ahead and start the service of prayer. So bow your heads. Father, I thank you uh, for tonight's service and for what a wisdom that you will uh, show to all of us, Father, through your word. I thank you for a chance to learn more about you and more about what you have taught us. I thank you for a chance to be able to gather here uh, uh, safely and peacefully. And I thank you for a good word tonight. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. So if you all want to go ahead and open up to Galatians 3, that's where we're going to be starting tonight. Um, took me a little bit to figure out what to, uh, what to talk about for tonight. I eventually settled on uh, teaching about uh, not necessarily judgment, but just like uh, say like you're walking by someone and you look at them. And, and, and sometimes you can be like, like oh, I... Uh, I, I look at you, and uh, I can put your whole life story together. Uh, I, I know exactly who you are from the beginning to end. And uh, I was curious about, like, how much of that is actually, well, like, biblical, like how much you can actually find about someone just by simply looking at them. So starting in Galatians 3, maybe get to myself, uh, verse 26. It reads, For... Ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized in Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So uh, th this will come up uh, a few other times, but just a matter of like, to uh, to God, it doesn't matter where you, ha how you started per se. It doesn't matter like what gender you are. It doesn't matter that you are a gender. Uh, you can't just be somewhere in the middle. It doesn't matter where you were born, uh, what nationality or race, because uh, Jew Jews and Greeks uh, cover both of those spectrums. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. Uh, that, that, that's covered in bond or free, uh, especially somewhere in like. Uh, uh, if you're in India, there's a very, very strong caste system, and and if you're poor, it's not that you can't afford school. You're not allowed to go to school, just just because of how everything's set up over there. Um, and and then again, neither male male nor female. Uh, to God, there's not one above the other. There are there are leaders among us, but they're not uh, strictly better just because of how they're born. Um, to follow up with that, right, over go over and look over in Acts 10 couple passages in there. Uh, so uh, with, with this passage, it's uh, talking about Peter, whenever he got some, uh, whenever he uh, received a vision one night, uh, starting in verse 9 in Acts 10. It says, On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry, and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance, and saw heaven opened, and a certain vessel descending unto him, as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners, and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, 
kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake, it, spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Um, so, uh, continuing on in that, it'll, it'll, uh, three men show up, show up into his house, and then Peter comes to realize that the that while, while the direct interpretation of the vision would be, oh, okay, all, all food is clean, which, which which is true, but also the more abstract per se is that all, all uh, people are well. It's not fair to look at someone and say, "Oh, you're common because you because you, you you don't look like me. You you're not you aren't born where I was born." Um, it's a shame that it took all up until you know a very direct vision in Acts 10. But uh, I mean, like there's the Great Commission at the end of well, at the end, end of the Gospels at the beginning of Acts, saying, "Hey, go into all the world and preach the gospel." But they it wasn't quite pieced together until it was bit more direct, saying, hey, okay, that means that, that we're on equal standing with them, that, that we don't get a, uh, we, we get a little bit of a head start, just as a matter of, because we're near all, like, well, all, like the, at the center point of the religion, but that doesn't make us better than them, it just makes, means that we started sooner. Just a few more verses down, next 10, verse 34, uh, Peter continues there, and it says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. So that's going upon that point again, saying like it doesn't matter where you start or even how you start, just as long as you pursue God with, uh, all, like with all honesty in your heart. Um, so uh, one, one thing I was getting into that is like, okay, so if nothing about what you are physically, uh, you know, be it male or female, where you're born, what family you're born into, because um, for in a lot of circles, uh, even just having the right or wrong last name would would put you ahead or behind. Um, it, it, it it's not too bad, it's not too too bad around here, but uh, I. I I, I could probably pick out a couple names where if, if I said them around certain circles, they would be uh, roll their eyes or just kind of like, like turn away from the conversation. And if I said a different name, they would all perk up and pay attention because that person's uh, more important just because of how their last name's spelled. Um, but at, at least by the Bible, we, we, we don't have to live like that. We don't, have to, we don't have to look down upon someone or look up to someone just merely because of the name. Uh, there, there should be more to that. Um, so, so then, like going on to like how we come across like looking at a person, saying, "Okay, well, if I can't just look at you to see who you are, how do I know who you are?" And that can be at least partially found over in Mark seven. Turn there. Mark 7, verse 14, it reads, And when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples 
asked him concerning the parable, and he saith unto them, Are you so without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him, because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the drought, purging all, the, all meats? And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, uh, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. So what, what this passage is saying here is that it's... Uh, Again, it's not how you're born or where you're born that defines you, good or bad. It's simply, uh, well, what this is saying is what comes out of you, what comes out of your heart, but that can also, uh, how that's expressed. Uh, well, there's a variety of ways that can be expressed. It can be expressed through words. It can be expressed through actions. And and uh, although this passage doesn't strictly say, like doesn't strictly include thoughts, that would also be included because of uh, over in the Beatitudes with uh uh, or not, not the Beatitudes, but I think on the Sermon on the Mount with Jesus, where he said, um, you, "You, you, know that it is heard in the Old Testament, or uh, yeah, in the Old Testament, uh, thou shalt not kill thy brother. But I say, I say to you, if you hate your brother in your heart, then you have already killed him." Um, so I, I'd say that it'd be fair to include that in this. That like, if it comes out of your heart at all, e- even if it doesn't come on display for others, it would still be. Uh, it can still defile you in that sense, but one thing that would be uh, easy to do would uh, go to the opposite extreme and say, "Okay, well, I'm not gonna, not gonna risk anything. Just gonna sit in a little bubble and just not do anything, not see anybody, not speak to anybody, not do anything. Then I won't do any wrong. Then uh, you will sit right alongside uh, a third or." more of the apostles of the Lamb who are mentioned once whenever they're all named and then never mentioned again. Uh, even Matthias, who was reassigned or, or like uh, almost elected per se, it, it, it was by luck of the draw kind of, but uh, either way, uh, that was the first and last time that he's mentioned just, uh, hey, you're an apostle. Um, that's cool, but he, he didn't do anything. Well, I shouldn't say he didn't do anything. It's just we don't have any account of anything that he did. Um, but uh, that would be really easy to do, just uh, just a matter of, like, um, I'm not going to risk it at all. But I, I think if you were to do that, you would, you would miss the point, because then, then, then you're not progressing anything. You're not progressing the kingdom of heaven. You're not progressing any relationship with anybody, which are very important. Um, I mean, uh, just look at Adam and Eve. Like, Adam created, or God created Adam, um, and not it, it doesn't strictly say he created him with the need of somebody else but he created him uh like god and i mean god's surrounded by a cohort of angels and jesus and the holy spirit god's never been alone um so then adam was so when adam created he uh it, for him it was just alone and so then god gave him eve to have someone to be with uh you, you wouldn't be progressing uh anything of that if you just simply sat at home and did nothing and I mean legalistically follow this verse but that, that, that that's not our goal to be legalistic about everything 
So uh, another point about works and faith can be found over in James chapter 2. Starting in verse 14 for James 2, it reads, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Uh, yeah, I'll keep reading there. Uh, yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? So there's a couple things to piece out of there. Um, uh, starting with the last part, I guess, is that you, well, well it, it, it said that you can't have faith without having works, um, but it doesn't necessarily uh, exclude the other thing. that You can have work without faith, or you can simply be doing nothing. Um, ju just because uh, you're doing something doesn't mean it's by faith or it's even for the right reason, uh, e e even if it is doing good. Like, there can be selfish people at, at, at a soup line, and they're doing it just to look good, not, not, to, hel not to help the people in need. And they'd be doing the works, but they wouldn't be having the faith behind it that would actually make it worthwhile and make it uh, uh, last longer than just a moment. And then there's people that say that they have faith without having works, but it would be the ache, uh, I mean, the Holy Spirit would be pressing on them strongly, like if they really, really had the faith, strongly every single day saying, hey, go out and do something. Go out and, and help somebody. Go out and like into the world to help the needy. Um, or like, you don't even have to do anything big, just saying, like, hey, like, if someone asks for volunteers, go out there and help them. Like, make, um, not saying that this is how he'll say it, but just a matter of, like, make it matter that, that, that you have faith. Um, don't, don't make it just mean a title. Make, make it mean where it, there's, there's weight and meaning behind being a Christian. Um, and then uh, the other part, well, that was in there was a saying how like the devils also believe so it, it to uh, believe in God doesn't uh, really get you all that far um, like to just believe in God and stop there it, it it's good but I mean plenty of people believe in a God plenty of people are like agnostics or like deists or something along that line where they're saying there is a God but he's not really present all that much he's just kind of out there doing his own thing and he Set, set us up, and then he left us. They're, well, 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 they may say that they try and believe in our God, um, or the God, rather, it, it doesn't, doesn't do a whole lot of good because uh, they, they don't really have the faith there. They don't, they don't have the correct kind of faith. Because uh, over in Romans 10, uh, uh, the Romans 10, 9 and 10, where it speaks of how, like, how we can become saved, it doesn't merely say, oh, all you need to do is believe and you'll be saved. No, you have to confess that he is your Lord and, and believe. Uh, so it's not merely just 
it, it, it's not merely just a confession of belief, but also a kneeling down uh, to someone else above you. Uh, and just a few more verses over in James, uh, verse 24. You uh, see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. So again, this is going on a matter of like, it's more than uh, just faith that, 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 that makes someone a Christian. Because if it was just faith, well then, I mean, there, there, there's plenty of people that, that would confess in our God. I mean, uh, uh, M- Muslims over in the Middle East, they, 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 they would say that we have the same God, but the only difference is how we view Jesus. And, well, that's, they, they, they may have the faith, but then they have no works, uh, especially uh, if you read through their, their holy book. Um, you, you can only go so far by just saying, oh, I believe in him. I'm not going to do anything about it, but I believe in him. That, that not only gets you to, you know, to the front door of the church, um, not that they'll kick you out, but I'm saying it's a matter of like how progressive you are with your walk, in, uh, walk with God and walk in faith. Uh, so then back on the topic of like being defiled by stuff that comes out of you, well, uh, is the inverse of that true? Can you be purified by, by what comes out of you? And I would say yes. I mean, there's all the examples of all the praying and preaching and repenting and worshiping and confessing who God is. All of that is actions and words that come out of you that do make you better. So it it, it does do good to not just simply be a rag in the corner. Um, that's just, that, 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 that's, that's letting chaos and, and goodness go by just because it's, it's too much to deal with. It, it, does, it does a whole lot better for you and for those around you to, to really press in to God and to his word. Um, a couple of the things I want to look at regarding the heart that was mentioned. Uh, one of those is over in Matthew 5. Turn there. Starting in verse 1, Matthew 5, it reads, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And uh, this is the important one. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Um, so uh, again, over in Mark uh, 7, where we read earlier that what defiles you is what comes out of your heart, um, not merely just what goes into you and what is pressed upon you. Uh, we, we do have warnings uh, in the Bible about like being around the wrong type of crowd and like them having you know, a negative effect on you, but it's not, whenever it gives those warnings, it's not guaranteed. It's not saying, oh, if you do this, like, this is going to happen to you just in an instant. It, it's, very, it's very strongly warned against, and it's very strongly, like, discouraged. Um, but there is still, 
it, it, would be, it would be unfair to be like, oh, you're in the wrong type of crowd, therefore you are the wrong type of person. It's like, no, they, they still have that choice in the moment. Like, they may be around that crowd, or that crowd may be around them. Like, it, like maybe they're trying to be the example uh, in that matter. Uh, now, it, it'd be problematic if that was their only group of friends, and if that was the only people they ever hung around ever, but, I mean, like, it, it, it wouldn't do any good as a Christian if you'd be like, oh, I, I, I can't go around that group of people. The, the Bible said to not, like, uh, to, to be among them because it, it'll corrupt me. It's like, yes, but the implications of that is that you don't live your life among them, that you have, like, that you, you go and preach to them, you go and, um, you know, show who God is through you to them. Um, but, but then you have your own then you have your own private time. It doesn't even have to be private time, but just time set aside where, like, okay, I'm with people that are, that uh, if, if they're not Christian, people who are, you know, at least able to encourage me uh, with my Christianity and with God. And I don't have to be concerned about, you know, our faith. Uh, a lot of people in other countries, they, they, don't, they don't really get that luxury. They just have to conceal it all far too much. Um, and that, that's why it's always too doing good to pray about them. I mean, there's that uh, pray for the persecuted thing up there. It's been up there for like, two years now. It's been up there for a while. Um, another passage I want to look at regarding the heart is back in Psalms. <coughs> Psalms 51. Starting in verse 8, it reads, Make me to hear joy and gladness at the bones which thou hast broken me rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. So, uh, uh, again, going on that notion of the heart and it being very, very important that that's clean and what's uh, what's interesting with that is that going off of Mark, it's saying that like a- everything that that could defile you comes from the heart. It doesn't come from, doesn't really come from your mind. It doesn't really come from your soul per se. Is that it's very very strongly implied. It comes from, um, uh, it, it comes from your heart. I know that's not really like a that your thoughts aren't down here, but it's just a matter. It comes from who. They're they're more instinctual. Like whenever someone, uh, like whenever someone mentions mentions a name, and then someone else like, uh, like uh, gags internally because they just really don't like that person, or kind of groans. Um, that that isn't necessarily something that they mentally thought about. It's not something that they processed or like went into going into that conversation where they were saying like, oh, if this person is mentioned by name, I'm going to groan internally. No, it's just something that's. That, that's kind of baked into them almost. So then, having, so then having a pure heart or a clean heart within them, or within any of us, would be able to. That that would have a very far-reaching uh, effect on, on. On on, all of who we are and all that we need to be. Um, and then. Uh, and then back back with the 
uh, Mark 7, it was saying how, like, since nothing, um, since everything that defiles you comes from within you, then it can be implied that, well, it also says that nothing that comes from outside can defile you. No, no words set against you can defile you. No uh, hardship or disease or persecution can defile you as a person. It, the only thing that defiles you is you, which may be problematic for some, but for others, it, uh, and hopefully for you all, it can give you hope, saying, okay, then then I alone get to decide uh, how righteous I am. I alone get to decide how much I love God and love those around me. Um, yeah, so go back to look at something. Mark 7 real quick. something else. Um, so one thing on that notion of uh, there is neither Jew nor Greek is how often uh, in the Gospels that Jesus reaches out to those that aren't that, that aren't of the Jewish nation. A couple of the times he uh, partially turns them away. Like uh, say the woman who uh, it's over in Mark 7. Uh, we can look at it real quick actually. Uh, Mark 7 uh, verse 24. Um, uh, it, it reads there, And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered into, into a house, and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. For a certain woman, whose young daughter had an unclean spirit, heard of him, and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the daughter, or the devil, out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it unto the dogs. And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And he said unto her, For this saying, Go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out, and her daughter laid upon the bed. So here, uh, again, this is before Jesus is resurrected, so this is not strictly how we should treat those uh, who, aren't Christian, uh, uh, who aren't Christians, but this is at least a, some sort of a starting point saying, hey, like, for someone who's outside of Christianity, you don't, just, you don't just shoo them away, you don't just not give them any sort of chance. You say, hey, like, th 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 this is how this is normally done. Like, uh, at, at least in this time, normally, like no one outside of the Jewish nation would get and would just freely get help, like the man uh, at, at the uh, at, at the bathhouse that Jesus went up to and said, "Do you want to be healed?" And he said, um, "No one will throw me in." He didn't have any faith or anything. He never asked Jesus to be healed. Jesus just freely gave it to him. Uh, as far as I know, there isn't a case like that of someone uh, outside of the Jewish nation before Jesus dies. Uh, and it's resurrected. But, but with this case, uh, he, he tells her, hey, um, normally, not, and normally someone outside of the Jewish nation can't, uh, can't receive their healing. And, and, and she had a choice there. She had a choice of like, okay, and then just go home and have to deal with uh, 
devil-possessed daughter, um, but instead she, uh, uh, she stood her ground at least a little bit and said, uh, and she said, yes, uh, I, I understand that, that by, by tradition and by law, I, I have no place to ask this of you, but I'm still going to anyway, just as the off chance that, that you can. Um, but, but with that, when dealing with others, is that, that again, we, sh- we shouldn't just turn them away or, uh, or like, uh, like, like look away for anyone else that needs help instead of helping them just because they're of different origins. Uh, say like the, the, the Good Samaritan parable. Um, it, wasn't the, it wasn't the Jew that, that helped the man. It wasn't the other passerby that helped him. It was the, it was the Samaritan, the Samaritan that, that, that took, his, took his time, took his money to help this uh, broken and bloodied man uh, on a roadside. It's a bit short, but uh, is there anything else that y'all want to ask about or anything? Uh, it's uh, all the same to you, although in close of prayer and turn it back over to Dad. So, Father, I thank you for uh, this time you've given us to look into your word and look into who you are, Father. And I thank you that you have given us this chance, this opportunity to go out into the world and be gracious and kind to all those that need it and to all those that desire it, Father. And uh, I thank you for protecting all of us, uh, no, matter what, no matter what we may do for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Praise God. The Lord is good. Amen. Um, you know, I, I got a little sense of, of how my friend Jerry feels sometimes. You know, he said, uh, a lot of times we'll get down to the service and he says, you need to slow down. You covered way too much information. And um, Jared covered way too much information, you know, the, uh, to, con- to consume it all. You know, it's not that uh, it's not all good. It's just, uh, you know, you've got to consume all that stuff, right? And so, um, but, you know, if the church could get a hold of that message about uh, what's in our heart and how we think of people and how we treat people, um, you know, all that comes from the heart, right? That comes from the condition of your heart, what you think. And, um, you know, in the church, there, there's, and, you know, Jared just read scriptures. You know, the, these scriptures have been with us for thousands of years. And yet in the church, we've been just as bigoted and, and just as judgmental about people as the world has. And, you know, we've not really been an example. We've been, uh, we've jumped on the same bandwagon that many people have over the years. And, and uh, Chris reminded me of an old roommate I had, you know. Uh, uh, he always had a real problem with, with, with big people, right, with uh, overweight people. And he'd just be so mean to them, you know. And, of course, he wouldn't go up to him and say anything to him, but he would just talk about them, you know, look at them, you know, they just disgust me. And, uh, and, of course, that's been 40 years ago. I'm hoping that my roommate has matured since then, right? Uh, but that's just an outward thing, right? That's just a completely outward thing that's got nothing to do with nothing, and uh, and you don't know their life. I mean, you know, why are they big? I don't know. You know, I mean, people make assumptions. You know, whether just you know if they just need to control their ha- eating habits. Well, how do you know? I mean, it could be 
they really could have a thyroid issue or whatever. You know, they could have a medical issue, and and for us to judge them, you know, uh, we're no better than the world, right? And 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 I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody start a conversation with these words. Well, you know, well, this is not racist, and then everything else that said after that was completely, totally racist, right? I mean, it's just um, because you know, if you think about it. Uh, the Bible says in, in John 1, 9 that God lights every man that cometh in the world. The Bible doesn't say that God lights all the white people that come in the world or God only lights just the black people that come in the world or any, any specific uh, uh, natural identifying aspect of a person that's the only people that he puts a spirit in. He, puts, he has put a spirit into every single human being on the earth. That means every single human being that comes into the earth is alive unto God. You know, they, they all go through the process of, of um, rejecting the Lord and, you know, going through the age of accountability uh, because the Bible says all have sinned. Uh, but still, every single human being came into the earth alive unto God. And for us to distinguish uh, people based on any natural thing that we can measure, whether it's their weight or their color or their language, or anything of the natural realm, it, it's, you know, it, it's really disrespectful to the Lord because he created that person's spirit. And even if they're not born again, didn't, does the Bible say that God uh, so loved the, the white people of the world? No, the Bible says for God so loved what? The whole world. So that means every single human being breathing on the earth is loved by God. And if they're loved by God, then they should be loved by us. Uh, and... You know, we, we, should, um, we should never distinguish uh, people's worth by natural measurements, right? And Well, look at all those tattoos. Well, so look at that. Look at, that, look at that, the ear piercing. And look at that. You know, I was at the uh, restaurant picking up food tonight, and a girl walks in. She got, I think it's like six different colors in her hair, like purple and pink and wild orange, you know, you know stuff like that. And... Um, I don't care, you know. Now, I wouldn't do that, you know, I mean, because, you know, I only have one color. It's just gray, right? Uh, and, um, of course, it's a great palette. I mean, you can start with a nice white hair like I've got. I mean, you can do anything like that, right? All you people with dark hair, you're just stuck, right? But, you know, I've got a lot of options up here. I'm never going to use them, but, you know, I've got a lot of options. And so, but, you know, and, and, and I think they had a, one had a nose ring or something like that. And I mean, I, I see all that and I observe it. And, I, and, you know, a lot of those things I wouldn't do. But, you know, partly because I'm a 56-year-old man, you know, I'm not going to paint my hair orange. And, um, but I don't, you know, I could care less. I mean, it just, it, there, there's nothing in me that's just like, oh, I can't believe that, you know. Uh, because if I do that, if that's my reaction, then what I've said in my heart, that person is unworthy to receive the Lord Jesus. They're unworthy for me to, be, to walk in love towards them. They're unworthy for, to, for me to show them how good God is because of the color of their hair or the color of their skin or the how many body piercings they've got. And I know what the Bible says about all those things. Uh, and I know what my counsel would be if you came up to me and said, hey, should I do this? Well, let's see what the Bible says, right? Maybe I'll not do that. There's nothing in the Bible that says what color your hair is as far as I know, uh, except the Bible does say that a gray head is a crown of glory. So there is that, you know. Again, he never said brown hair is a crown of glory, you know. So, you know, all you guys are stuck, you know. But um, So there's a lot of glory in my life. But, uh, <coughs> but. You know, there, there's, uh, and, and the issue, Jared got to the issue. The issue is the condition of our heart. What's in our heart that allows us to look at somebody and, and just scoff at them and go, look at them. 
Because really what you're saying is I mean, they're unworthy for the Lord's blessing, which means, you know, really you're saying they should just die and go to hell. I mean, we wouldn't say it that way. That sounds really harsh. But by rejecting somebody because of what they look like or what they say or the color of their skin or anything. And look, I've been around the world. I've seen bigotry in every nation and every color of skin. I've seen every language. I've seen it by, you know, economic standpoint, uh, status. I've seen it by uh, societal status, you know, what your name is or what your bank account looks like. Uh, so there's bigotry everywhere. But none of it belongs in the church. We in the church should be different. We in the church, when we see people, we should see people the way Jesus sees people as that's a potential child of God right there. And, and what if they're 100% messed up? Well, then that's just a, a, a good, will be a great testimony to see how, how good the Lord can be to people, right? And, and, and I hear a lot of people say things, well, you know, you shouldn't, you, you shouldn't be around certain people or talk to certain people. You know, that was the kind of the mentality, like Jared said, with the Jews that, you know, they, they didn't get it. I mean, it took a vision uh, there, like you said, in Acts chapter 10, where the Lord, after 10 years after Pentecost, where the Lord say, Peter, straighten up, you know. Uh, you can't just look at the natural side of things. Well, Lord, that's common and unclean. Well, that's what people say about people. Well, that person right there, because of their hair, you know, they're common or unclean. Or because of their name, they're common or unclean. Or because of their bank account, they're common and unclean, you know. Uh, and even in the church, you know, because we go to a, uh, Pentecostal charismatic church here, there's a lot of people in the church like, oh, you go to that church. Uh, you know, it doesn't bother me at all, but, it cre you know, you love Jesus, then we're on the same side, right? Even if you say God doesn't do miracles and God doesn't heal and God doesn't prosper and, you know, and all those are wrong, God does do all those things, but you love Jesus, we're good, you know. Uh, and even if you don't love Jesus, I'm still good because if you don't love Jesus, then you're an opportunity for me to show the love of God to you. Um, and that's what Jesus, what uh, Jared was talking about there in James, that our faith should produce the work of being able to go to anybody and say, you know, God loves you. God cares about you. Uh, and, and even the worst sinners, you know, I can't believe they sin like that, you know. Look at them, you know, kissing in public and, I mean, not even mowing their grass. What's wrong with them, you know? Uh, of course, I think that's what my neighbor thinks about me all the time, you know. But once a season or so, he goes by, he goes, hey, um, you know, I've got a really nice lawn rake that, you know, get all that grass clippings up out of your yard, you know, and you want to, anytime you want to borrow it, you know, just, you know, no problem, I'll be glad, you know. I never tell them I'm going to borrow it because that sounds like work, but, um, uh, but, uh, so it's just, just a little bit of judgment I get from my, my retired neighbor who's got nothing else to do except mow his yard, right, all day long, so, <laughs> but uh, I try to do better, you know, and so, uh, but, uh, you know, the church really, we need to be a place the church, not just this building, but the church as a whole needs to be a place where anybody can walk in that door and find the love of God. Now, they need to find the love of God, right? Not the love of, of humanity, right? Because humanity says, come as you are and don't ever change. God says, come as you are and I'll make you a great person. Uh, and I believe, you know, the Lord has created everybody as individuals in the earth. And we will take that oftentimes to kind of twist that and even sometimes pervert it to something it was never intended to be. But if we get back in, in alignment with God, we still become the person that we were growing up. Uh, many times that same personality that was there when we were growing up will come back out really to its fullest in the Lord. Because you really can't be the fullness of who you are except if you're in the Lord. Uh, and the Lord has made everybody as individuals and unique in many ways. And, and 
that's the part that I love about the Lord, about the Lord is that he's, he makes everybody unique and everybody's got talents and everybody's got desires. And I know a lot of people in a church always want to make everybody the same. Well, you've got to believe exactly like I believe. You know, you can't have wild hair. You know, you can't have, you know, this or that. You know, you can't do this. And uh, I mean, it's like whatever, you know, uh, as long as it's not uh, unethical or, or ungodly, you know, then just be who you are. Right. And uh, but the constraint is always according to the word of God. Right. And according to his spirit. So um, and we could go into um, we could go into all all kinds of scriptures there. But Jared covered all the, all the good ones there. So there's, so um, um, but um, well, I, I did want to read. Uh, let's turn over to James chapter 2. Jared mentioned a couple things there. Since we've still got a few minutes here, we'll, we'll look at a couple more verses there, right? So Jared covered, uh, I think there's 31,102 verses, so he covered uh, all but the last two we're going to look at here. Um, and so, um, let's see, we're, I said James chapter 2, right? So in James chapter 2, of course, he was talking about uh, faith and works there uh, from verse 14 on. Um, but if you look at if you look at uh, verse one, he talked about another verse about uh, God is not a respecter of persons. Uh, and he said here, it says here, in verse one of James, chapter two, uh, my brethren, have not the faith, uh, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory with respect of persons. So uh, that phrase respect of persons means when you're respectful of the natural aspects of a human being. So not the spiritual aspects, right? The, uh, the natural aspects. Because really, in a sense, God is a respecter of the spiritual aspects of people because he answers the prayer of the faithful. And, you know, he never gets around to answering the prayer of the unfaithful because they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. So he does respect us in a sense that if we do right, the more we do right, the closer we are to him. Uh, but that's not a measure of our anything natural. That's only in our hearts, right, our spirit man. Uh, and then James gives the specific example that for if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and you have respect uh, to him or pay special attention to him that weareth the, the gay clothing or the good clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in the good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there or sit here under my footstool. Are you then... Are you not then partial in yourselves and become judges of evil thoughts or judges with evil thoughts? Uh, and so uh, James is telling us here that if if we distinguish people and their value based upon anything that we can observe in the natural realm, whether it's your clothes or the color of your skin, of course, you know, they were all Jews, so they're all the same colors, right? Uh, but uh, in the natural realm, if we if we look at somebody because they're wealthy, Oh, and then we're going to go out of our way to welcome the wealthy people. And then somebody comes in, they're dirty, and they haven't had a shower. And I mean, I've had people come and sit in a chair and get up, and, and then I've had to clean the chair because they were so, you know, you know, I don't know if they just got into like a, a, a cage fight with an alligator or something. I mean, they just came in dirt all over them, right? And I don't care, you know. I mean, that's what a washcloth is for. Just you wash the chair, right? Uh, and And so... Uh, because that person is a still a potential child of God. Uh, and uh, James is saying, look, uh, you, you are become a judge. You've judged the value of somebody based upon what you can observe in the natural realm. Uh, and uh, there's just no place for that in the church. Never has been a place for that in the church. And yet if you look at the history of the church, 
we have routinely been just as bigoted uh, as the world. Now, you know, the world has kind of swung in the opposite uh, uh, way in many aspects uh, in the sense that, well, then everything goes, right? And we're never going to say no but anything unless you're a middle-aged white man, you know, then you're still not much help for you there uh, except for in the Lord. Uh, but uh, in the church as a history, we've been just as bigoted against black people. Uh, we've been just as bigoted against uh, foreign people. We've been just as bigoted about people of different economic standings, you know. I mean, some churches, they're very snooty, you know, and, you know, and very cliquish, right? Uh, well, it's just, you know, us four no more, you know, and, and some churches you go to, you almost feel unwelcome. In fact, Chris told me that uh, she went to church uh, when you were, what, 12 years old or something like that, and Oh, wow, six, so it was yesterday, right? Um, and, and she said nobody greeted her. Nobody uh, said, glad you're here. No, nobody said, you know, anything. They just said, hey, where's your parents at? You know, where's the people with money? Uh, you know, you're of no, no value because you're obviously, you know, a teenage person, and, and uh, we want somebody that's got some money to come here. Uh, and, and she didn't feel welcome at all. And, you know, my one church experience when I was 12 years old, you know, went to vacation Bible school and, and, um, and nobody asked me if I wanted to know Jesus. Nobody, uh, you know, it was really, really boring. And, and I don't even know what, why we were there because the guy just preached for a while. And it wasn't really set up for youth or, or younger people. It was just, you know, and I don't even remember what kind of church it was or anything. Uh, but I remember that it was really boring. And nobody told me how to get to know God. Uh, and, and so I'm thinking, well, why am I there? Uh, and the same thing with Chris. You know, she came in and all they wanted to know was where her parents were. And they, nobody was caring about her. Uh, and, you know, from my perspective, everybody that walks in that door is an individual. And everybody is, has, has a right and a privilege to know God because he made them. He made the spirit in that, in that body that's, that's walking on the earth. He made that spirit. And he desires with all that's within him for that spirit person to be with him for all eternity. And, and it's our job to allow that spirit to receive the Lord by teaching them and instructing them uh, in the ways of the Lord. And, and to care less about the natural things. And, and I understand, you know, sometimes natural things can be a hindrance to us, right? Well, you know, whatever it is, but, um, and sometimes through counseling and through the word and through preaching, we can help people get back to where that natural thing is not a hindrance to them because sometimes people's natural aspects that they've developed over the years become a hindrance to them receiving God. For what it is. Some people just, they're too prideful to receive God. You know, they're too, too wealthy to receive God, or sometimes they're too poor to receive God. You know, whatever the, whatever the thing is, uh, sometimes we need to help them to understand that, that that natural thing should not be a hindrance to them to receiving God. Uh, and so, so James, you know, said don't, don't make a distinction uh, between people. Uh, and I'll just read one more verse here over in 1 John chapter 3. Uh, and Jared talked about this as well. Um, he said um, in verse 14, First uh, John chapter 3, he said, We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brethren, his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. And so that's pretty strong words, right? Uh, and... and you know, I've heard people say we should never use the word hate in any context. And, you know, I, that's, to me, that's not, we should go with what the Bible says. Does the Bible ever say that God hates anything? The Bible says many times God hates things. He hates divorce. He hates sin. He hates a lying tongue. He hates pride. 
You know, he hates uh, uh, hands that shed innocent blood. You know, there's a lot, but it never says he hates anybody, right? Uh, and so you should never use the word hate in context with people. Well, I just hate, you know, foreigners, or I hate people, you know, a different color than me, or I hate those people who don't speak my language, you know, and, uh, and I mean, you get on Facebook and people are mad about everything, you know, speak the language, you know, whatever. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, I just, people always fighting about everything, it seems like to me, They're always looking for a fight. But he said that, that, uh, that, that uh, it's an amazing statement here that says, he whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. So do you hate anybody? Well, I just hate my cousin. Well, the Bible says you're a murderer, right? Uh, and here, here's the, the, the tricky part, right? Uh, no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. So if you don't have eternal life in you, where do you go when you die? You go to hell, right? So he's saying if you hate your brother, then you are not going to make it to heaven. Well, you don't know what he did. Doesn't matter. Does it say he that hated his brother unless his brother was really mean to him when he was a child? Is there any out at all? No. But, you know, really, uh, from a biblical standpoint, a Christian is really incapable of actually hating somebody because that Christian already has eternal life in them, right? Uh, and so you're not going to lose your salvation if you hate somebody. It's just not really, you're really not capable of hating somebody. Uh, but those words should never come out of your mouth because uh, even if your emotions are there and your flesh wants to hate somebody, you're just really incapable of doing it, so don't allow your emotions to run your life and your flesh to run your life. Because uh, people, you ever, uh, you ever held a grudge against somebody? You know, I mean, my family were like uh, world-class experts in holding a grudge. You know, we'll hold a grudge for a thousand years, you know. We'll die and get resurrected just so we can hold a grudge a little longer, you know. Uh, and, and it'll be just forever. Uh, and, and um, you know, there's no place for that in the church. And there's no place for hating on people in the church, right? Uh, because of this verse right here that we don't need to hate anybody. And some people, you know, they hate certain family members. You know, it's, it's not uncommon. Well, I hate my mother-in-law. Uh, and, and, oh, you should have got a better mother-in-law. You know, I've got a great mother-in-law. And so, uh, you know, it's easy for me to love her. Uh, but some people, I hate my mother-in-law. Well, if you're a Christian, you know, I mean, either this is true or not true, right? So if you really, really honestly hated your mother-in-law, then you are not a child of God. But if you, if you really, if you really, Look into it in your own heart. You know, your flesh wants to hate her, but your spirit man is constantly saying, you can't hate that person. You're not, you can't do that. You know, quit, quit uh, holding that grudge against them. Uh, and so there's no, there's no room for us to hate anybody, any person, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, the world hates the phrase in the church that we, we love the sinner, but we hate the sin, which is essentially a summary of what Jesus has said, right? And the world hates that because they think that you can't distinguish what people do with, what they, with who they are. Sure you can. That's exactly what the Bible says, right? Because what you do is not who you are. What you do can change if you get more information, right? What you do will, can change if you become born again. It doesn't change that you're a human being, though. You're still a human being. And we, so we love the human being. And we can just hate your things. And they, just, they hate that we have the capacity to do that. But we can because the Bible says God uh, hates a lying tongue. But he never says he hates the liar that's doing the lying tongue. He hates the lying tongue. So I hate lying, uh, but uh, I don't hate the liars, you know. Uh, and so, so we have the capacity to make that distinction. Uh, but, um, uh, but meditate on what, what Jared said tonight about uh, in your own heart, because he said it's the things that come out of us that defile us. 
And if there's any bigotry or anything that you that you it's in you that you look at somebody and say, well, they're a Democrat and I hate them, right? They're a Republican and I automatically hate them. You know, they're a, well, even the, the independents are the worst because they won't make a choice, right? They just think they can stay neutral, right? I hate them all. Uh, and you know, some people do that. You know, they just like I can't stand anybody. If you're going to be neutral, then I hate you. Whatever, grow up. You know, there's more important things in life than politics, right? Uh, but um, but people will do that. To, uh, and for our own lives, what's in us that when we see somebody with specific physical characteristics, and it's not just race. I mean, race is a big thing. But, I mean, I've been bigoted against in many different aspects because of my income level or because of my, my accent. I mean, you know, I told you when I first moved to, uh, 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 to Tennessee uh, and, and uh, um, you know, my very first day of fifth grade, I walk into the class and, you know, the teacher says, this is Chip. I'm sure she mangled my last name, you know. Uh, Chip, he's from New Hampshire. And this fifth grade boy said, damn Yankee, you know. Uh, and I'm like, you know, I mean, I just, I just showed up, right? I mean, I just, I, you know, I can't help that I moved in from, uh, and, and actually, you know, years later, he started showing up on Facebook. He may be here today. So if you're there, Glenn, uh, hi, you know. Uh, and uh, he friended me on Facebook. I know that. Where do I know that? I hadn't seen him in like 40 years. It's been a long time. Uh, and then I saw him with a tractor. And I thought, I know that that's Glenn Hale. That was my neighbor. That that and I don't even know if he remembers that or not. So if you remember that uh, Glenn, uh, that that uh, because the the teacher took him out and they paddled him, you know, and brought him back. And we didn't paddle people in New Hampshire, you know. There's a barbaric. I mean, what kind of a place did I show up at, you know? But uh, and so he took him out, paddled, and brought him back. And I I didn't figure out what had gone on till time, till later. And, and so I just showed up, you know, just because I'm from a different state, you know, I'm hated on. Now, I got no scars or wounds. I, don't, I hadn't gone through therapy because of that. You know, it doesn't bother me a bit. It just, you know, it's a funny story, right? Uh, but there's no room for that in a church. Oh, you're, you're from New Hampshire, right? And you tell certain people you're from Tennessee. Oh, you're from Tennessee. Uh, and I love Tennessee. I mean, not, it's God's country, you know. It's just uh, I've been around the world. And I don't know any place really prettier than Tennessee. You know, Ireland gives it a pretty good run for its money, but, um, but they got leprechauns. I mean, who wants to deal with leprechauns, right? Uh, and so, uh, but um, uh, there, there's no room in the church for any of this. So check your own heart. And if you, if you look at somebody and something in you is against them and you realize that the thing that's, uh, that you're against them is something that you can observe and see in the natural realm, then, then you need to do some repenting, right? Uh, now, listen, for me personally, I could be with the rankest sinner, the worst sinner in the world, but you get a prideful Christian, I can't, I can't hardly stand being around. I'm just, it makes me feel dirty being around them. The worst sin in the world doesn't bother me a bit. A, a Christian who thinks they, they're somebody and special and, uh, and prideful, you know, to me it's very much distasteful because um, the Lord hates pride, right? He never says he hated the sinners, right? Uh, and so, so check your own heart, right? Because it will defile you. It will cause you to be unclean with the Lord. Uh, that you need to repent of. Remember First John 1, 9, right? That, uh, that you confess your sins and he's faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So if, you, if you've got these thoughts about certain aspects of individuals because of whatever thing that you can see in the natural realm, then that's an area that you need to work on, right? And the church as a whole needs to work on and we don't ever need to be distinguishing people by what we observe in the natural realm. And, um, you know, whether they're, I mean, I just could care less what, where you're from, you know, Mexican, you know, uh, 
uh, it just don't matter to me. I don't. I could care less. Do you love God? Do you, do you want to know God? Then fine. You know, if you hate God, well, then fine. Go hate God somewhere else. You know, but um, but you're not going to bother me. I, I'm not going to care about that. Uh, and so, great message. I think it's very timely for the church to know that if we can uh, if we can get that adjusted in our hearts. And, and Jared really uh, hit the nail on the head about the issue is the condition of your heart. What's in you, right? What do you think about people, right? Uh, and if there's something that uh, that you're against them for some reason, then um, check up, you know, uh, you know, of course, we say it around here, go home and, and do what? Buy a bigger mirror, right? Uh, that's usually the biggest issue is your mirror is not big enough, right? And uh, one of these days, I'm walking to your house, it's like, why is this whole room full of mirrors? Well, I kept adding mirrors. We fill them, all the walls got mirrors on them, you know? Uh, and, um, well, then you're on your way to, to uh, improving your life, right? So praise God. Um, well, is the Lord good? He's good. Amen. So we thank Mr. Jared for giving that message. And, and um, you know, there's a lot of people a lot older than Jared that had never figured that out. Amen. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, we need to figure these things out. We can't change it. If we didn't know it, you know, by now, can't change it. Might as well start now. Amen. Uh, and so let's let's thank the Lord for his word today. And, and then we'll receive an offering. So, Father, we thank you for blessing us with good word. Father, we are we choose to be good soil. We thank you that that word that Jared spoke tonight will be uh, seed planted in our hearts. And, Father, as it, as it grows and produces fruit, uh, Lord, you'll show us that any area in our lives, Father, where we have chosen to look at the natural aspects of people and to judge them, Father. Uh, and you'll show that uh, to us. And, Father, we will change and repent and, and go a different direction in our lives. And so, Father, we thank you for that word. And Lord, we give you all the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. And, um, uh, you know, I appreciate that message. It was just, it's just a good message. And, and um, uh, we've, got a, we've got a ways to go in the church to straighten up, don't we? Amen. Well, we can do it, can't we? Can't change yesterday, so we can start right now. Amen. Well, come in, Mr. Jared, receive the offering. So Jared's preaching tonight, running the sound, running the video, receiving the offering. So I don't even know why I need to be here. He can do everything, right? So that's all right, you know. So uh, when, when the, uh, the days when the church is small, then, then you just got to do everything, right? But uh, someday, you know, we may have 500,000 people here. Then, you know, we'll be able to share the, share the, uh, the workload there. Um, and so, but the Lord is good. Amen. Well, be blessed, and, and uh, we just got regular church on Sunday, right? So we had our church meal this last Sunday, so uh, we'll have church Sunday morning and then um, uh, healing school at 3 o'clock. And uh, Glenn, hope you made it tonight. Good to see you. By the way, I don't hold any ill will against you. I've forgiven you a long, long time ago, so. Uh, and uh, I, I need to, to see if he remembers that story sometime. And so uh, you all be blessed. Have a wonderful week, Lord, and you're dismissed.